You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Love, high five, if you're comfortable. Remember, think before you hug, as we heard beautifully from Pastor Keith Reid on the VT a couple of weeks ago. And church, we've got some very, very exciting updates for you in the last couple of weeks. We have had not one, but two engagements in the house. Lauren and James got engaged. Lauren, where are you? I seen you earlier. Lauren's over there. He liked it. He put a ring on it. And right at the back, we've got Laura and Chris, who've got engaged as well, giving us waves. Hey, we love you all, Lauren, James, Chris, and Laura. And we're believing that this next season is going to be awesome, filled with blessing, provision, excitement as you take the next forward, step, next step forward into marriage, which is beautiful and awesome. And uh, our youth pastor, Pastor Josh, has an interesting t-shirt celebrating the moment for Chris on today. So you can ask him about that at the end. It is absolutely hideous. It is Chris's face on the back. You can ask him about that later. Well, church, we're in the deep depths of our family series. We're coming to a land in the next couple of weeks, moving into a series across July on finances. Fun fact for you, did you know Jesus speaks more about money in the Bible than he does heaven or hell? So for us as as a church, we want to take an opportunity to come back to what the Bible says about our finances, generosity, tithing, investments, and do a bit of a refresher together and move forward. It's going to be an awesome series. Whether you're on holiday, you can watch it online from wherever you are, or if you're not going to Portugal anymore like Lisandro and I, you can be here in church. Everybody said, aw, but let's pray it comes back on the green list in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. Message today, church, is called responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. I don't know about you, but I think all of us love hotel culture, don't we? When you go on holiday and you arrive at a hotel and literally everything is done for you. You've got your breakfast made. You don't have to make your bed. You don't have to tidy the room. You have to think about nothing other than just stuffing your face and having a good time. We all love hotels on holidays, don't we? At least that should be how hotels work, shouldn't it? Lysandra and I, just a couple of weeks ago, went to Sheffield for a spa break. Oh, a spa break, you say. That's exactly what we thought when we booked up for a spa break. Let me tell you, we had the best time, but there are times in life when expectations just don't match up with reality. Isn't that true? We showed up to the hotel to find out from an email we got the week before that the spa part of the hotel was closed. We had literally booked this one hotel to use the spa, the swimming pool, you know all that good stuff, and it was closed. So taking some initiative, I booked us into a health club about half an hour up the road, thinking not all is lost on this mini break. We're going to get the spa, and it's going to be 
awesome. But we arrive at the hotel and we'd booked in for a privilege room. Oh, fancy a privilege room with the lake view, you know, the, the bells and whistles, the full works. And we start to walk down the corridor and all the privilege rooms are on our left, you know, where the views would be across the lake. And as we're walking down the corridor, we notice on the sign that our room number, you have to take a right for. So we take the right, thinking, okay, they must have a better room lined up for us. And we go down the stairs to what feels like the basement of the hotel into a room where practically nothing was working. All right, we call reception. We are like, we think we're in the wrong room. We booked a privilege room. They're like, we're so sorry. Our systems broke this week. You're in this room now, but we'll upgrade you back to the privilege room tomorrow night. We were like, yes, awesome. It's not all lost. Until we get to dinner that evening and we find out from the waiter that it's his first night on shift and as he's pouring the drink for me, he spills it all around the glass and all over the table. We laugh and think, you know what? It couldn't get much worse than this until we went for afternoon tea the next day that we had booked in for the night before. They couldn't find a reservation anywhere, but made room for us. And as we are sitting down in this beautiful room that looks like something from Downton Abbey, the waitress comes over with my coffee on a plate, fancy, right, on the plate, but the coffee was spilled all over the plate as she sat it down in front of us. We look at each other and say, it just couldn't get much worse than this, could it? You know, having a laugh, having a joke about it now. But then we arrived to the spa that we had booked in for, and it turns out that it was just a glamorous leisure center. And the woman at the desk tells us, by the way, due to the regulations, only one person can be in the jacuzzi at a time. So Lizandri sat in the jacuzzi and I stood there and watched her. Like, what is this going on? We couldn't go into the swimming pool because it was swimming lanes only. We couldn't relax. The loungers were gone that we thought we'd raid on and relax on because of social distancing. And then we could only go into the steam room and sauna for 15 minutes at a time. Let me tell you, trying to kill three hours in a spa, I did not think that would be a hard thing to do, church, but it was a hard thing to do. But we had a good time, didn't we, love? We did. It was awesome. Hotel culture, we expect everything to be done for us, don't we? That we should have zero to no responsibility. At least that's how it should be. But the thing is today, church, we don't live on holiday, do we? We live in the real world. And there comes a point for us where we want to have ownership back. We want to come downstairs and try something different at breakfast. We want to look at the TV in the bar lounge at the hotel. We want to change the channel. We want to come back and sleep in our own bed sheets. We want our ownership back. But in order to get ownership, ownership takes responsibility. The reality is if we live life like a hotel, 
Well, the washing just won't get done. There's no such thing as a magic washing fairy that's going to do the clothes washing or the washing up for us. We have to do it ourselves. It's the same in church life. If we want a strong, healthy, vibrant church, we can't treat the church like a hotel. We have to treat it like a home where we play our part and build church together, where we do the hard yards. It's the same in our natural family. If we want a strong, healthy, vibrant, fun family, we have to take ownership and take some responsibility and do the work to get us there. Now, the Bible says this about work in Genesis. It says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Until 10 verses later, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. The Bible says in Genesis that each one of us were created to work the earth, to subdue it, to take ground, to take ownership and responsibility. And what culture has done is culture has in some part skewed our vision where we think first we're meant to be consumers and then contributors, whereas the Bible says we were put on this earth to contribute first, to work on the land and consume second. Each one of us were created to work the earth, work our businesses, work the environment, work the family, Work to achieve and then consume. See, the reality is this. For each one of us, if we want to take ground and move forward, we have to take a new level of responsibility. And the work today we're talking about, church, isn't adding more hours to the clock, isn't taking on more overtime at work, but it's putting the work in to three specific areas to take more responsibility and therefore take more ground. The first thing we have to focus on with responsibility is our character. Everybody say character. Now, there are things that no matter how hard you try, you just cannot change about the other person. For Lysandre and I, it doesn't matter how hard I try, Lysandre is never going to like coleslaw. It's not going to happen in the same way. It doesn't matter how hard Lysandre tries, I'm never going to like Marmite. It's just not going to happen. And what happens, church, is when we focus on the other person trying to change, we miss the whole point that the first and best person to change in any family, in any dynamic, is first ourselves. The best person to change your family dynamic at home isn't everybody else, isn't your spouse, isn't the kids. Oh, controversial this morning. It's you. It's me. Because if I change then everything will change. I'll start to see things in a different light. I'll start to respond better. And there's three parts within this frame of character that we have to take responsibility for. The first thing is our thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And you take responsibility today for your thoughts by making them captive towards Christ. Now, let me tell you, church, emotions are a beautiful gift from 
God. But we don't live by our emotions. We live by our convictions because as we all know, one day our emotions are up. The next day, our emotions are down. So that's why we live by our convictions and not by our emotions. And within our thoughts as well, we have to live as people who don't compare. Theodore Roosevelt said it like this, comparison is the thief of joy. And the dangers when we compare are twofold. The first is this, is when I compare to my neighbor across the fence, I look on at their life and I see that they might be doing better than I am. So what happens is when I compare, I look across the fence, see my neighbors, see that they look and appear to be doing way better than I am. So all I take from that is being disappointed, disheartened, and feeling low because they're better than me. And it works the other way. If I compare to my other neighbor, and it seems like I'm doing way better than they are, what happens is I become prideful and arrogant, and I stop working on me and watering my grass because I think I've got it all together. Church, we cannot be a people that compare. We have to run our lane. We have to work at our garden. We have to do the yards that God's put in front of us. And the second thing within that is to take responsibility for your words, for your words. The Bible says in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you know today, the tongue has the power to build up, the power to bring down, the power to encourage, to lift up, the power to prophesy, the power to tear down, the power of contract, all lie in the power of the tongue. All of it lies within the power of the tongue. But the Bible says, get this, in Matthew 12, 34, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. See, your words are the spoken declaration of the condition of your heart. We can't focus on changing our words first before changing our hearts because it's out of our heart that the mouth speaks. When you hear someone that is speaking negative or bringing down or tearing down or speaking pessimistically, it's actually less about the words that they're saying. It's revealing something about their heart. And today, church, we have to start while we take responsibility for our words with the condition of our hearts. And the last thing within this is to take responsibility for your actions. Luke 6.31 says, do to others, you've heard it before, as you would have them do to you. Now, Jesus is quoting this from Leviticus 19. It's known as the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think today, church, if we could all collectively as people take responsibility for our actions, not blaming them on other people, on other scenarios, on other situations, taking responsibility for our actions, the world would be a better place. Our world would be a better place because we'd line up our actions with the fruits of the Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit are this. Measure your actions by it. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Today, church, take responsibility for your character in Jesus' name. The second thing we have to take responsibility for is our context. Everybody say context. Now, context is the place, the office, the position, the space you find yourself in right now. 
in the last three years, I've had a lot of different contexts in my life. Three years ago, I was a boyfriend, a part-time youth pastor, and an admin assistant. Fast forward a little bit, I became a fiance, I became a youth kids and students pastor, and I became the shepherd of the flock at the Jaunty Goat coffee shop, working the floor. And then six months ago, before that, I became a husband, and now a campus pastor, and a mentor, and a leader of staff. Context in life changes. Throughout the pace of our life, our context will change. But what we've got to focus on and take responsibility for isn't our context three, five, ten years from now and try and become that person over there now. And do we've got a journey along the way, taking responsibility for where I am right now, not thinking I'll have it all together in 10 years. And then you come to the 10-year mark and actually you don't have it all together because you didn't start 10 years ago. What we have to do, church, is take responsibility for where God has positioned us right now. And the Bible is really clear in some of the family roles, some of the context roles. I'll read a few. To the fathers in Ephesians 6, the Bible says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Mothers, this is a beautiful proverb. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And to the children in Exodus 20, it says, honor your mother and your father. And all the parents said, amen. The Bible's clear about context, but within each one of our own contexts, we find ourselves right now, let's church take responsibility for the roles, positions as employers, employees, as leaders, as under leadership, wherever we find ourselves today. Let's own our context. Let's take ground together. Let's advance the kingdom of God. Let's advance our businesses. Let's advance our family. Let's step out and own our context and do great things together. And the last thing, the third thing we all have to take responsibility for today is our gifts, our gifts. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul writing says, I wish that all of you were as I am. A little bit of a humble brag from Paul there. I wish you were like me. Thanks, Paul. But each one of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that you might be saying today, oh, but Pastor Lee, I don't know what my gift is. Well, we'll get onto that in a moment. And we'll show you how to highlight and open up and unpack what your gift is. But the Bible goes on to say in Romans, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Today, church, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. To give encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give 
generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully with a big old smile on your face. The Bible's clear on 24 gifts, naming them specifically, and there's seven just to highlight. Now, let me tell you, church, that's not an exhaustive list. Don't go looking through the Bible and trying to work out which one, of you can do it. But there's other things God's positioned you for in your world that God uses the Holy Spirit to empower you to do. Now, I remember back when I was 17, and I preached my first ever message. Wow, that was a cool moment. Standing on a little bit of grass at a place called Sea Park with our whole youth group. And I remember standing there with the sheets of paper in front of me, shaking like a leaf, reading it word from word, not looking up at the crowd, pretending they're not there. And I remember doing that and being so nervous, telling myself, this is just not my thing. Man, preaching, public speaking, that's just not me. And I remember landing the message and it went okay, as good as it can for a first message. Let's be honest, it was okay. And people came up to me saying, Lee, you've got a gift. Lee, you've got a gift. Lee, you've got a gift. And I'm like, I don't want the gift. I don't, I don't have a gift. Don't be silly. What are you talking about? And then the next time I preached was at a youth retreat with our youth group. And I remember putting on my blue shirt, buttoned right to the top, you know, my nice brown shoes, looking the part. And it probably was the worst ever message I have ever preached in my whole life. I practically stood there and told my youth group, our youth group, everything that I thought was wrong with it. Talk about an encouraging message. I remember sitting there going, I'm never preaching again. I'm never preaching. This is awful. It's not going to happen. But over time, the gift developed. You grow, you explore, you try things, you get things wrong, you fail, you get things right, you grow on the journey. And when I first came to Audacious Church some five, six years ago now, I, I didn't preach for 18 months. Now, when you think that's your main gift and you don't get to exercise it for 18 months, you can start asking yourselves all sorts of questions. But what mattered the most wasn't me expressing this particular gift, but God using that season for me to grow in many other areas of my life, growing in leadership, growing in generosity, growing in faithfulness, growing in the little to then be faithful with the much. And today, church, you might have a gift here today that you haven't been able to use yet in our church. Well, let me tell you, that's not a reason to go next door and find another family and find another church to express your gift. Grow with whatever God's put in front of you right now. We might not need that gift right now, but we might need that gift three, six, nine, 12 months along the way. Stay with the journey. But also church, some of you have gifts that we don't even know about, but you're expecting, you're praying in fact, the Lord to wake Lysandre and I up at 4 a.m. to tell us about your gift so that we can come and ask you and give you the shoulder tap to come and use the gift. Now, we love God. We also love sleeping. God can wake us up whenever He wants. But the time that happens, it might be many months, years, might never happen. Let's face it. Some of you are waiting for a shoulder tap moment to start a new ministry, to join a certain team, to lead a venture in the life of church. And you're waiting for someone to give you a shoulder tap. This is your shoulder tap moment. This is the shoulder tap moment. 
We've got a whole team's fair outside. Loads of the team are in team t-shirts today, representing the being on team as being a part of Audacious Church. Go to the team's fair after, connect, get involved, get stuck in. And our heart really is this, is we wanna totally reverse, radicalize, and transform that 80-20, 20-80 principle that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We want a whole church full of people where everybody plays their part, where each one of us get to be contributors. And then together, in all the great exploits that God has for us in the future, we all get to celebrate, consume the wins, the growth, the breakthrough that is to come. Now I promised you four things to help you identify your gift, here they are. The first thing is, what do others say about me? What are other people saying? I love this phrase, what's the word on the pew? Not the word on the street, what's the word on the pew? What are people saying about you? What do you carry? What's your energy? What's your aura? What are you good at? What do other people say about me? And the second thing is, what do I find easy that others just seem to struggle with? I thank God that on a Wednesday morning with our staff team, I look around the room, look at the tables, and I look at each one of them, and I say, couldn't do your job, couldn't do your job, couldn't do your job, because they're graced and gifted to do it. And man, they do a killer job week in, week out. But that's the joy of team. If it all rested on one person, we'd go nowhere. But when the team bring their gifts, we together can go somewhere. And the third thing is this, where do I notice gaps or improvements that I could implement? Some of you guys notice gaps, improvements, things you could change in your family and in church. Maybe the reason God has highlighted them to you is because he wants you to take action on it. Not for someone else to get your word of revelation, but for you to take action on it. Let's together in our family at home and our church family here, let's be innovators, entrepreneurs, take initiative and when God speaks to us let's do something about it and the last thing as a land what is the church asking for church just like life is seasonal some seasons we are full-on flat-out going hard on the mission fade that we will from September to December this year other years are about consolidation working on our systems working on our processes so that no first-time guests will ever fall through the gap and go unnoticed seasons change and today, maybe what you're super pumped about isn't on the table just yet. Well, bring it to us. Let's see what we can do about it. But also, be comfortable serving the vision of the house. Throw a t-shirt on, do what is needed, and together, we would see great things happen. The two things I'm told that hinder church growth is a lack of finance and a lack of people. Today, we're working on the latter. Let's not have it being said about Audacious Church Chester that we lack the people, but that all of us play our part. You're not signing your life away every Sunday for kingdom come right here, right now. Maybe it's once a month you can serve on team. Come on board, join the team. Once every six weeks, come on board, join the team. Whatever it looks like, come under the anointing of the house and let's see together what God will do through us. Ephesians 2.10 is a land says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. Today, church, identify your gift, take responsibility to grow that gift and fan it into flame. And let's together fulfill the calling that God has put on our lives and our family and in our house. 
in Jesus' name. There's so much in that message to apply to our own family, to our church world and everything in between. Go away today and make one action. Maybe that's having a convo with the team. Maybe that's going home, having a chat with your spouse, with your kids, talking about how we better create a family environment at home and here in church, in Jesus' name. And right across this place as we land, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, we wanna create a moment right now to give an opportunity for people who've come to church and don't yet know Jesus. In other words, you're not a Christian and haven't committed Jesus as the Lord of your life. Everything you've been looking for, everything you've needed in life, that hole you feel in your heart and in your soul is filled and found by letting Jesus into your life. Everything changes when you accept Jesus. You find your purpose. You get life and life more abundantly, the Bible says. And today, don't miss out. You might not have it all worked out, but today, take a chance on Jesus. So I'm gonna count to three really quick. And when I get to three, if you're saying today, I wanna give my life to Jesus, I wanna become a Christian and take a chance at following Jesus. Then when I get to three, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand nice and high so we know who we're praying for in this moment. Come on, if this is you, you're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna get right with God, then one. You don't have it all worked out, all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, but your heart's racing right now and you know you need to get right with God too. You're saying, I don't have it all worked out, but I know everything I've been looking for is found in Jesus. If that's you right now, you're saying, I wanna commit, I wanna follow, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. And right across this place, lift your hand to heaven right now. If you're saying today, I wanna make this the day where I follow Jesus, where I give my life to Him, where I follow God, where I accept His invitation to life and life to the full. Just looking around the room right now, your heart's beating, you know this is for you. Don't wanna miss this moment. You're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. On my left, your right, saying today, I wanna make a decision to follow God. Then raise your hand right now. In the middle, you're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. I see that hand in the middle. You can put it down, thank you. You're saying, I wanna follow God. There's more hands, there's more people today who wanna connect and get their life right with God. Can't have life and life to the full unless Jesus is the center of your life. Lastly, my right, your left. Send today, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. Then raise your hand right now. Send today's my day. Don't have it all worked up, but I know. I've gotta get right with God. He loves you. He's got a purpose for you, a plan for you, eternity for you. I see that hand in the middle. Thank you, buddy. Send today, I wanna follow Jesus. All right, church, pray this prayer after me. This is a prayer of connection with God. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you. From this day forward, the old is gone and the new has come. I am a new creation. Forgive me of the sins of my past and show me what the future looks like in you. From this moment, there's no going back. Today, I'm a Christian. Today, I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.